Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. Basically just two regular dudes drinking some irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, and in particular, their online client, MTG Arena. That is right. And each episode, we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff... What's on tap? All right. Here we've got a staple of the Toronto beer scene. This is called Space Invader. It's an IPA. Uh, It's meant to be like a juicy kind of IPA, 6%. And it's made by Amsterdam, one of the oldest uh, craft breweries in Toronto. So much so that like I've almost just come to see them as being a macro brewery. Even if that's not actually true. And just whenever I see their stuff, I'm like, oh, Amsterdam. Yeah, that's going to be everywhere. So... Um, you know, <laughs> uh, I expect to see it as often or more often than I see stuff from a macro brewery. So it's, it's like Amsterdam and Mill Street. I almost don't even think of as being a Toronto microbrewery. Yeah, it's true. Um, I've also come to, to feel that way. And this might be, how many Amsterdam beers have we done? Maybe two. We did Bone Shaker and then this one now. I can't remember another one at the moment. Um, but this is, uh, you can find this most everywhere. Uh, though, if you're in the Toronto area, their brewery or their brew house is right on the, uh, the lake. So it's actually kind of a nice spot to go to. Um, so it is worth, I, I do like it. So Oh yeah, for sure. It's a nice place. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have lots of magic news. Okay, so this last week, Dominary United Alchemy cards were finally released into the wilds. Um, so, you know, after all the major tournaments that we had that were about alchemy, um, uh, all those kinds of things, it, it's, it's good that we have uh, some new cards just to spice things up instead of having it before the tournament uh, to make it exciting. Um, yeah, lame. Yeah. Uh, some big kind of things about this. So they're, they're doing this new thing. This is the second time we've had... Um, is it the second time? I think so. I think we did this in New Capena. But the, this is where they had the alchemy cards come out, and then you could draft them when you were, um, they had like special, sorry, special alchemy drafts. Um, I don't know, Jeff, if you played on Thursday, but <laughs> did things get fucked up real bad? <laughs> they like released this patch, and then people started drafting not only just the alchemy dominaria, but the regular dominaria, and then drafts got just just completely screwed up. For the whole day, like people would start and then um, there'd be a bunch of problems in the draft and uh, people were getting booted from their drafts or their, um, all the I don't know, images were wrong and everything was going haywire. And then during everyone's drafts, even if your draft went well and you were playing your games, they shut all of them down and kicked everybody out of all the drafts Jeez. they were in. A lot of stories of people 3-0 and who got prizes for going 3-3. and People who are six and one, excited to get seven, Oof. getting kicked out, all that stuff. Um, luckily, everything was remedied, and Wizards gave out draft tokens to everybody that got screwed, um, which still, uh, I feel like they eh, might need a little bit more than that. That kind of sucks. But another release day that did not go very well. So let's just put that in the column of things got fucked up on this release day once again. Yeah, it's more at this point that I'm surprised if release day goes smoothly. 
rather than mm-hmm. surprised when things don't. Um, with that as well, there are a bunch of alchemy rebalances um, to a bunch of cards that are in, and uh, you know, standard and alchemy. Uh, but it's a little weird. I don't know why they did this. Um, Jeff, do you want to talk? It's just, very strange. Just, just tell us a little bit. I mean, like a small article. I didn't really read all the cards. Jeff didn't read all the cards because why would we when they begin talking to us about how they wanted to fix the draft format for Streets of New Capena? Basically, there was one cool announcement about Historic. So essentially the standard cards that were changed for Alchemy nerfed was the word i was looking for have for the most part been unnerfed for historic so you'll get your gold regular gold span dragon back you get your regular cadillac back uh in historic which i know a lot of people were complaining about that the long-term value of their wild cards is being impacted by alchemy rebalances and this seems like a normal way to or a reasonable way to address that concern uh of course all runs epiphany still nerfed yeah um and that's because allrun's epiphany was stupid it is stupid Uh, it it doesn't (laughs) it's not that it was stupid it is stupid and always will be stupid and i'm glad that it is fixed well it's been rebalanced so it's not stupid now that's true (laughs) it just sucks well yeah so it means it's still (laughs) stupid i don't like it it's too powerful or not good all right fair it's just the worst um so this is something people were worried about going into when Alchemy was first announced almost one year ago. Um, so they are basically bringing all the the cards that got nerfed. Uh, they are being restored to their former glory in Historic for the most part. And all the cards that were buffed, uh, talking about all the dungeon cards, will stay buffed in Historic. So they're only interested in making the... Uh, the good cards that they nerfed back into good cards, and then the bad cards that they buffed to be good cards are still good cards. So that's a good philosophy. Yeah. I think so. That's one win. Yeah, I did have a question about this. Mm -hmm. Like, moving forward, do you think nerfs just won't be applied to historic? Or is this sort of the the new pattern? They're going to nerf it for its time and standard and then unnerf it assuming it wasn't like a ban worthy card like Alarm's Epiphany yeah I think that they're getting to yes I think they're going to continue this pattern and once we get to a point where they've been able to put all of the cards through their rebalancing system they won't ever have any problems the only cards that will maybe see immediate bans or have to see bans are cards that got injected into like directly into historic which we're going to talk a little bit about later in this episode so um i'm not sure about that but i think historic might still see some bans for some cards that just go straight to yeah but like presumably the reason to do this is to avoid confusion like if there's only one you know if if there's a standard gold span dragon is different from alchemy gold span dragon I guess what I'm asking, like, why is historic version the same as alchemy and then switched later? When are is this indicating that they might just say, listen, when we nerf something for alchemy, we just won't apply that nerf in historic now? Or are they still going to always be like, we'll try to undo any nerfs when they rotate? Because it feels like they're saying these cards weren't too good for historic. So why why were they nerfed in historic? In the first Got place? it. OK, now I understand. So. 
I don't know. Uh, it does seem like right now we have, uh, of our constructed formats, there are like two that are, um, that rotate, one that is close to paper and one that is digital only, and then two eternal formats, one that's close to paper and one that is digital only. So then they want the both of the digital only formats to be as close as possible without having too many cards that are different. So the big differences are paper cards don't change. They only get bands. Digital cards can be rebalanced and they don't want to make too many differences between both of those formats. So if you're an alchemy historic player is one, maybe they call that digital player. I don't know what that, maybe they give them names, right? Like they did all the other ones. Um, that person only has to, they have one version of each card and maybe they're banking on the standard. There isn't a standard player and a historic player. There's standard explorer and alchemy and historic. Right. So I guess it's like, all right, digital only. There's only one version of the digital only card. Non-digital only There's only one version of that. But then once it rotates out of alchemy, they don't want historic version to be different than explorer. There's only one version of the nerfed card or no longer nerfed card across that, but the buffed cards will still be different. Um, I don't know. This feels like we're changing things on the historic only player, Um, but it generally is probably for the better. Like, I don't think any of these cards break like you were saying uh, when you thought that's what I asked. None of these cards are breaking historic wide open. So it's totally fine. Give them to the players that like them. Yeah instead of having a nerfed card that has essentially no chance of seeing play in historic. Yeah, and for the most part, when we're talking about, like, a lot of the rebalance cards now, what what I was just saying is that, like, they rebalanced a ton of New Capena commons and uncommons for fucking no reason. I don't know. Just because they were trying to rebalance the draft format that we haven't drafted in, what, five months? Like, why are we caring about this? Like... We're, people are talking about the Brothers War. We're not, we're not interested in going back and doing it's, Nuka Pena drafts, which was a shitty draft format. Basically, <laughs> like people hated it. So why are we trying to fix it now? Yeah. What a waste of resources. I don't understand. It's so strange. And, and the crazy thing, too, is it says historic card rebalancing and goes over, you know, what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And then it says standard card rebalancing. And then the whole standard card rebalancing is a bunch of random commons and uncommons and junk rares from Capenna. And all of the reasoning they provide is, like you said, about fixing the draft format under the big standard card rebalancing title. None of this affects alchemy. Yeah. Um, I don't think. And it doesn't affect standard. (laughs) Why would you say standard if you're talking about alchemy in the first place? It just, yeah, right. Like <laughs> historic and standard. So, <laughs> so this is this this article came out uh, like you know about a week ago, October fifth. It just I don't I don't understand. Like, what are they doing? It, it just continued to be like like we were saying. Who is this histor- historic only player? I'm sure they're you're out there, you know. But historic is the dumpster of arena. It just gets every just shoveled <laughs> cards of like whatever's fucking left on the plate. They just dump it into historic and say, have fun with whatever that is. And it's we've we've said this for two years. Like, that's what historic is. So I don't know. It just continues to be the same. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then it has all these remnants of this weird 
era where they tried to make it the competitive format. And, and so there was some weird like tunings and bannings and card cards specifically injected. Um, it's just super weird. It's weird. Uh, I'm sure some people love historic, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to call a, you got to say what it, admit what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's there so that people can play all of their cards. No, it's there so I can play auras every once in a while and that's about it that's what historic is for that's i right. think that's what it is because i can't play auras anywhere else um meaningfully yeah and so i can play black mid-range decks <laughs> <laughs> um so it just continues to be uh alchemy is not what they told us it was going to be almost a year ago which was supposed to be fixed standard it is not fixed standard it is its own format uh, where they rebalance uh, commons and uncommons for uh, the draft format. <clears throat> that has nothing to do with alchemy. Anyway. They're still so... Like, do people still play this draft format? Everyone's going to be playing the new one, no, right? No, but you... Even if they want to do... You can't. You physically can't. It's arena. Oh, right. Of course. You can't. That's how they get you. That's the thing. <laughs> we they, rebalance... That's why it doesn't work. They we, turned it off. So you you have to go play the format they rebalanced. Yeah, they re... It's not like... Can, can you do this on Magic Online where you just draft whatever format you want and as long as you get people to fire it? Is that, or does it, it does go in rotation as well, right? So Yeah, there's only six exactly. ones offered because some of them just wouldn't Exactly. Fire. So, like, why are you rebalancing a format? Maybe they're bringing it back for, like, some flashback draft, but nobody really wants to play that. I don't know. I don't know. It's probably the next arena championship format <laughs> or something. Rebalanced <laughs> alchemy. <laughs> <laughs> streets of new in like january new new Capena. it's gonna be Alchemy worlds format. Draft. <laughs> they're gonna have uh, all the world's player do <laughs> alchemy rebalance draft format fuck like i i don't yeah right before the release of like phyrexia honestly this just feels like they um, were working on this back in june and then they finally got it to to finished you know, and they're like, hey, we... This seems like a failed experiment yeah. that they've released for some reason. Why? Just scrap it. Throw it away. But what they, you know, everything they throw away just goes to historic, like I just said. So anyway. That's right. I, it, it, it's frustrating. Um, anyway, Jeff, let's talk about something that's not as frustrating and might be a good chunk of this episode. But we had a banned and restricted announcement. Jeff, tell us what happened. Well... In standard, the Meat Hook Massacre is banned. Whoa! Whoa, that, that's a bombshell. We'll get into that in a little bit because there's another banning, which is Yorion. This was banned in Modern. Um, this one's somewhat interesting because, you know, neither of us play a ton of Modern, but I know that Yorion tended to be used just in, like, multicolor good stuff decks, and it was not really a Yorion... It wasn't using Yorion the way it was intended, which is like to a blink deck, mm. essentially. It was just using it as a free card in a card advantage-based mid-range deck that had some, bl you know, blinking on math is still good. But for the most part, it was like, I have so many good cards that I don't care about the 80-card limit, and the extra card in my hand is worth much more than that, so we'll play Yorion. And I think... They don't like that. That's not the point of companions. Every companion that, that, you know, takes a hit, it's because that's how they're being used. They're just, the free card is so good. 
that as long as the deck building constraint is like manageable, which certainly building an 80 card deck in modern, especially since now we know how to construct 80 card decks, we know what the mana base should look like, we know, you know, everything. It's just so easy that like they might as well. And somehow it gives you a little actually more, like you have more uh, flexibility in your main deck because now you have it's interesting to like think about this but you it, your deck almost gets a little better because you have a higher percentage a different percentage of sweepers than you can actually have access to in a 60 card deck and normally you know that might not be worth it but because you get the extra card it's just definitely worth it and it's a freebie so um and then on top of all that they want paper modern tournaments to come back and nobody wants to shuffle an 80 card deck um yes i think that's an extra reason they put in there which is interesting commander players are laughing at that yeah but, uh, <laughs> well so the th- this is the funny thing so this has been memes all over twitter and everything is about oh yorion got killed because um people don't want to shuffle 80 card decks which the reasoning behind it is that modern is such a, a fetch land heavy format that you shuffle your deck a lot and a lot more than in commander so that's yeah. really what they're saying um but overall it's exactly what you know the companions were broken inherently when they brought them into the mechanic where the mechanic had to be, you know, nerfed. And then from that, we still have companions that are too strong. So overall, it just seems like companion was just too much. Um, But the question now begs that like, since they're saying, oh, this card need to be banned because of shuffling uh, problems, does that mean that they're also going to ban it in Pioneer if that becomes a bigger deck? which it's starting to, or, oh, sorry, is it going to be banned in Pioneer but not banned in Explorer because Explorer is an arena format where shuffling doesn't take time, but paper it does? This is what I want to know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, if it's the shuffling thing, uh, when, like you said, when there's no fetch lands, it becomes a smaller issue. Like in modern you're legitimately, at least in the first few turns, legitimately shuffling, shuffling your deck like two, three times a turn. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Everything shuffles. And so, you know, we won't have that issue in Pioneer. But I think the real issue is just that it just becomes that these multicolor mid-range decks might as well play this card mm. as a freebie. And then you kind of, it's just not that fun that this card's just always there. And so, and it's against the spirit of how the card was designed. So I think eventually that will get it. And if that's right, then it'll get it in both Pioneer and Explorer. Um, But, you know, in principle, it shouldn't even have to be banned in Pioneer because there's so much less shuffling in Pioneer. That's true. If shuffling were truly the, like, main If that's really... So that's interesting because, like, you know, we had uh, Cat Oven Issues because of just gameplay problems with it, which is like the amount of clicks on Arena that you have to deal with. So now we're getting one in, in paper. It's just interesting when they, they ban a card and a big reasoning is not actually the gameplay, which it's true, it's very strong, and that's why it's an issue, because if this was a card that didn't show up in top eights all the time, you wouldn't see it as much, and so then it wouldn't really, it wouldn't magnify the issues with it. And just be like, oh, I played against this opponent that had such a huge deck, it took them forever to, to shuffle. But it wasn't every matchup I had. But then if you play the deck constantly, then you're like, this is a fucking problem. The other thing, in competitive events, you have to shuffle your opponent's decks too, right? right? So it's like, I shuffle, 
then I have to present it for you, and then you are supposed to shuffle it, which doubles the amount of shuffling that goes on in like a, ca- a casual commander game. That's true. <laughs> um, and especially with casual commander, if you shuffle once, you can do it during three other person's turns because there's, you know, twice as many opponents. So, um, right. Or whatever. And you could probably do some sort of like, hey, I'm going to fetch a forest and then also do this. I'll just, I'll just get them both and shuffle once. And you guys do your exactly. thing. Exactly. Which you know Helps. is not gonna, you're not gonna do that at a in a competitive tournament one v one table. Exactly. Um, I did see something on Twitter that was a, a judge talking about the time that they had to deck check a battle of wits deck, and they had a team of judges do it, and it took them twenty minutes. <laughs> so imagine <Yeah. laughs> like a battle of wits deck was like top tier, and everyone's playing battle of wits, and they have to deck check everybody. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, <laughs> if you don't know Battle of Wits, it's this uh, like blue card that says if you have over two hundred cards in your deck, then you win the game. Is it two hundred or two fifty? It's two hundred, I believe, mm-hmm. but the decks tend to be two fifty ish because you, have you to need play. to like have Battle of Wits in play and still have two hundred cards in your library to yeah. win. Yeah, <laughs> I've only played against one once when I was a child, and I was like, "What the fuck is this card?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 200. Um, so yeah, their, their deck's 250, 260 cards. So they have a regular deck plus the 200 cards that help them win. <laughs> it's just like, oh. And again, I've played against it on Magic Online, so it's like, in that situation, none of that matters. Exactly. Like Magic Online makes sure they're not playing more than four of any card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sure that they actually have 200 left in their library. They win or lose, you know. And you don't time. have to literally... It does all the annoying count. stuff for you. You don't have to shuffle it. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah right? To even decide the winner, you have to, like, count the number of cards left in the library. Then you're going to not just take your opponent's word for it. You're going to count their deck, too. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're going to get a judge over to count the deck, like... <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, counting cards uh, to see who wins is kind of exciting because you're like, how many cards are more like left in their hand? And, you know, 199. (laughs) Fuck yes. (laughs) Um, You fetched one too many times or whatever. Like, that's exciting. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's because I surgical extract. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) I mailed the top card of your library that one time. Yeah. so that's that's cool, um, but anyway, it's just uh, it's just you know interesting to see. Obviously, we don't play modern, and this is basically what we're grasping from it. But you can always see when other formats start banning cards. Like, is it going to get banned in the format that you play? So um, now we're going to start looking at Explorer, being like, is Yorian yeah. going to be a problem? And modern does tend to be the trickle down source because mm-hmm. like the bar is so high in Legacy. If it gets banned in Legacy, a lot of the time. It's either just like way too good mm-hmm. or, or more likely it's not a card that is even played yeah. in, like legal in the newer formats. It's like one of these modern horizons two crazy things or like a really old card or something. Yeah. Um, but so modern is really if a, if a card that we're currently playing on like arena in Explorer or something is getting banned in modern, it you sh- probably should think this. It's time is uh, nigh, like maybe a few years, but it's it's not going to be here forever. Yeah. And once again, 
luckily for us arena players, if you have copies already, you're going to get reimbursed. You don't have to worry about if you should sell it or not or switch decks because it might get banned or whatever. That's a paper person's problem. Yeah. That's not us. Um, so that's going to be like random wild cards just given back to me at some point, and I'll forget why, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I had Yorion. Sick. <laughs> But I only had one copy because why would I craft four? I had that in my collection. So does yeah. that say, should we craft four Yorians right now? <laughs> I know what you should do. You should craft four Meat Hook Massacres. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so because Meat Hook Massacre is getting banned in standard. Ooh, I'm getting some wild cards for we're that. We're getting wild yeah. cards, mythic wild cards. Uh, so if you don't have four already, hopefully you're listening to this episode before the ban gets in stated or instated that that's the word yeah um so you will get wild cards for the amount of copies you have of meet the massacre however you can play it in all the different formats including alchemy historic and explore so might as well just get some free wild cards it's great it's it's still playable in all those formats or really you're getting free meat hooks that you can play in other formats. Sorry, that's true. Because you're spending your wild cards now and then getting them back. So yeah, you get free copies of the Meat Hook Massacre, which you may want to play at some point in Explorer Historic. Um, you never know. Like, I'm always like, ah, I'll never get to play this card. And then I do end up playing it. So glad I, I did the whole wild card trick. And when you know it's getting banned, there's no reason not to. I wouldn't advise it for Yorion because that ban is who knows how long away. And you're not going to play four copies of Yorion ever in anything, so... Uh, That's true. <laughs> definitely don't do that well, for Yorion. The other thing, so... Uh, um, this is it's something that affects you specifically, but um, Standard, at this moment that we're talking, is kind of weird, because we know that Meat Hook Massacre is banned. However, you yeah. can't play Standard the way it's going to be this weekend for the Qualifier Weekend... Because the band doesn't isn't effective until Thursday, so we're recording on Tuesday night. It's it's just a weird time where people are trying to figure out what the standard format is, specifically Jeff for this tournament this weekend, and you can't because Arena hasn't really done it. However, MTGO, if you play MTGO, they have put the ban into effect. So. It's just an arena thing because we patch things on Thursdays and that's how it is. So it's a weird fake standard or old standard for the time being. Makes me not want to play standard. <laughs> yeah, because my experience with when this happens is like everyone's still going to be playing Meat Hook. Like mm -hmm. when this has happened in the past, everyone's still just playing it. I don't know if it's like a gotta get your games in while you can kind of mentality or they just don't care or don't know. Or they're just trying to rank up and, like, win some challenges. I think it's you know, just they like, don't know. While they still have that deck. Um, yeah, or may, exactly right. They, they might not know. And so, you know, generally a naive me would have been like, well, most people will be testing out new decks because they know Meat Hook's going to get banned. Um, and just anytime you lose to Meat Hook, just don't count it and move on. I know that's not what's going to be like out there. It's going to be all Meat Hook Maskers. And so my deck that, you know, I'm hoping is better now that Meat Hook is banned. 
I'm not going to get to test it at all if I play right now. So it's sort of relying on streamers who are going to be playing on uh, MTGO to tell me what's good. Yeah, it's so that's really frustrating. Um, now, our, the, we should just talk about our feelings about Cook because we talked about it last week, and so we should just reiterate it because um, we don't need to go deep, deep into it. But for the most part, like I think you and I both agree, Meat Hook should have been banned, and, and I'm happy it's gone. Yeah, I didn't love their the <laughs> way they phrased it, which was essentially black is too good, so some black thing needed to go when we were like, eh, Meat Hook's been around a while. I don't think that's even necessarily true. Like, it's I like that they're acknowledging that black is too good, but I think the we had plenty of equivalent options and just kind of chose this one because it's been around the longest isn't true. Like this one actually is the best one <laughs> to ban. It's the one that's sort of warping the metagame the most. So I don't really know why they worded it that way. Um, but I do agree that like we've been saying Meat Hook's the best card in standard for a very long time and also been saying it's been pushing out aggro. Mm-hmm. for a very almost since the card was yeah. here because it's just so hard to play an aggro deck against this card. Yeah. I used to be almost strictly playing mono white weenie stuff and you can't against <laughs> you can't I know that there's some people that have been saying that they like still play Celestia tokens or whatever but like who's playing Celestia tokens in standard? Like come on. You especially with meat hook. So <laughs> I, I don't know whatever. Maybe your deck's the best deck or whatever but um all the mono colored or like the strategies that are all like bunch of little creatures low to the ground you can't really play because you'll need to at least play some counter spells or something to deal with meat hook or there i I tried a couple different things but it's uh meat hook really just ruins your entire day so um playing a deck that loses to that one card that's in every deck because it's so good Eh, it's not really worth right. not really worth playing that deck anymore. And that it's still so good against non-aggro. If it's like, oh, it's just such a silver bullet against aggro, maybe you sneak out game one, you do the usual aggro thing and try to win game three on the draw on the play. I mean, like mm-hmm. that could be your strategy, but they're main decking it because it's still just so good. Like you'll play random mono like mono black or whatever, Grixis mirror match. And half the time you're sitting there like, well, if they draw meat hook, I'm going to lose. Mm-hmm. Or like, and if I draw meat hook, I'm going to win. And so it's like, this card is just so good against aggro and then just also so good in general that it really pushed out aggro because everyone has four copies, whether it's like two plus two or whatever. Yeah. There was always four in the 75 and probably at least one or two in the main deck. I tended to main deck two personally, but like having it gone is going to change pretty much everything. Like I used, we used to talk occasionally about, oh, maybe Liliana's the best card, but it was sort of secretly like, we all know Meat Hook's the best card, but like now we're talking, now that Meat Hook has impacted the metagame, what's like the best card? Well, you can't go wide, you have to go tall, and that makes Liliana really exactly. good. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now that Mead Hook is gone, you know, my, it's hard to choose exactly what the best card is, but my initial guesses would be, um, 
Fable of the Mirror Breaker is something you're going to go to that is a little a lot better now that it, there's not an easy card that just cleans it up. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, Wedding Announcement, again, just gets a lot better. And it was already pretty good. But now it's like its main enemy is, is sort of gone. And all this makes Liliana a lot worse because if Wedding Announcement's the best card in the format, then Liliana stinks. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I still don't know if aggro will be good because you still have to play against Wedding Announcement and the Wandering Emperor and stuff. So maybe a balls-to-the-wall aggro deck that isn't playing those won't be able to beat it. So it might still just be you have to be like go wide white Mm -hmm. maybe go wide takes over who knows but um those are the cards now i'm looking to as hey maybe these are the best cards of the format yeah i was recently uh, fable of the beer breaker you have your wandering emperor Mm -hmm. your wedding Wedding announcement announcement. and of those cards my favorite ones are wandering emperor and wedding announcement because they're white uh, and they're both the same (laughs) color uh which is nice so um i was recently playing like uh, I know that um, Arjuna, who used to have the um, Arena Craft podcast, he always would talk about his... He, he plays Bant a lot. Simic is his favorite. And he always wants to do um, uh, Storm the Festival decks. So I ended up picking up a list mm-hmm. of a, a Bant Storm the Festival just to see what was going on. And uh, it was pretty fun. I had a good time. But a lot of it is like... You know, going wide, shield counters, all that kind of stuff just gets hosed by Meat Hook so hard that, like, wow, this would this deck would be <laughs> yeah. so much better if I didn't have to deal with Meat Hook ever. Um, and so now I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's finally Bant time. Like, maybe we can play some Bant decks. And uh, you have counter spells for Liliana or whoever else you're worried about. Plus... All your uh, your wedding announcements, your wandering emperors. Maybe play a little bit of Elspeth. I don't know. Stay a little low to the ground, but not too much. Definitely interesting. It might be enough to shake them all black mid range meta game. I still expect the black decks are going to be pretty good. Um, I like they don't like Grixis will still have answers, right? Yeah. Uh, to go wide strategies in in its red cards. You might convince me that drag down can ju- can just be played in in these three color. I think so. Black mid range. It's decks. literally a languish, like you were saying before, how how strong languish was. So if it becomes languish, right. that is gonna hose all these decks. Um, it's it's languish that's gonna get you sometimes when you where you only have two and you're like fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I um, think with but for the most part with the triumphs, you know, you're you're pretty safe. Um, but I was excited because, um, there's like storm the festival deck. A lot of these decks have this, but it's, it's just fun to see and fun to do when, um, you get to, uh, play, I think it's grafted identity is the, the blue card from midnight hunt where, um, you sack a creature and it's a aura and you steal forever one of their creatures. But specifically if you're just putting it on a, um, shieldred, and you're like, oh, I'm going to steal your shieldred now. This is great. Everything's better. I can continue to attack you, and uh, I'm going to draw a bunch of cards, and you're going to lose a bunch of life. Feels good. I, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm jump. I mean, I've always been on the Bant train, but it's, been a, it's taken me a long time to actually jump onto this specific deck. I've always seen the list, and I've never been interested. 
but this week I got interested. So I think uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I think Chris Patello had a list that a lot of people are playing mm-hmm. this, this band. Uh, I think yeah, Storm the Festival. I like the I standard play no swamps. I love it. No swamps standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Personally, I've not been in love with Grafted Identity, mostly because there are so many artifacts and enchantments in the metagame that mm. if you're if you're me, I mean, I assume other people are doing this too. I'm I'm loaded with naturalized effects in all my decks, and so Grafted Identity just gets blown up and i get my creature back (laughs) like it's you know everyone's running like four reckoner bank busters their biggest sideboard bomb is like the unlicensed hearse Uh, i guess meat hook's gone so maybe there's less you don't have to run quite as much in sham and hate but you get your fable the mirror breaker you have your um wedding announcements they're all out there so i'm just like yeah i can play should i play four beside you or just three just 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 three let's put one just one let's do three plus one (laughs) (laughs) i get it i'm just sitting there like oh you sacked a creature to steal mine i'm gonna take that right back but thank you and i'm gonna take it at a time that's opportune for me and it's really gonna blow you out but i like the idea behind grafted identity but i always just kind of laugh at it because it's like i mean but the creature it sucks so bad when everyone is packing enchantment but the creature i'm sacrificing is from wedding announcement so it's like you know one of my three tokens i got it's still a two-two man that's still a grizzly bear i know but not when i when i not when i sacked it also that one card got me three bodies whatever anyway i'm like i'll use one it's okay also yeah, if that, you that's because wedding announcement's good because grafted identity if you get <laughs> grafted identity off of uh storm the festival you don't have to sacrifice the creature so that is one upside um just because it says cast when you cast it so yeah. i'm i'm not you know i'm not in love with grafted identity but i like playing a random card you know it's fun <laughs> Yeah, I just remember the Bantech I looked at, that was most of the reason to play blue. I think there was, like, sure, sideboard counterspells, of course. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Denik, maybe? Yeah, uh, Denik. I can't remember anything else that was actually blue in the deck. So I was wondering, all right, since Grafted Identity isn't as good as it used to be currently, like, could we make this Naya and just have just play Fable? Like, let's just play the good cards. Instead of Denik? Um, I could... Because the deck was almost all green-white, hmm. and then it had Denik and Grafted Identity, and I'm like, do we get more out of red? Um, I do admit the sideboard counter spells are something you're going to miss, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so it's something I was playing around with, and then they banned Meat Hook, and now I don't know what to do. But that was the next deck I was going to build, was a Naya version. I like that. And I was even like, ooh, we could play like the 4-4 Trample Lifelink Haste guy, because why not? We could play like uh, Arlen and actually have our creatures have Flash. Maybe that's good, I don't know. Um, hmm. But I was going to sort of take that shell, cut the blue, and put in whatever fun red cards I thought looked cool. Um, but now I'm like, I don't know, what are people going to be playing? <laughs> yeah, that is hard. I wonder if they're... No, because I, I don't think the three-drop slot is, like, overcrowded in that deck, so you would be fine. That does seem fun. And you don't hate... Yeah, but then if everyone's storming the festival, I just want to play Dissipate. That's true. Or whatever the exile counter spell is. Yeah, yeah. I the, think it's Dissipate, right? I no, the... Exile cancel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
or is it dissolve? I always get those two mixed up. One of them like scries and the other one. Dissolve scries. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I like that though. That's exciting. And then you just get to play all the three best cards that I listed. Fable, Mm -hmm. Wedding Announcement, and And uh, Wandering Emperor. Emperor, All in the same deck. Mm. But I think you don't really get a replacement for Denik. If you want, why not? Um, You don't get any good two drops, I don't think, out of red. I love Denik. I really do. It gets cut down, but... It gets cut down, but you don't care that much. Exactly. That's why I'm like... It's coming back as like its better side. It's great. You know what card nobody should be playing? What should we be playing? No, you should not be playing. I don't know why. So, Jeff, I want I oh. want you to tell me why people are playing this fucking card. Um, uh, I do have to look it up because... So this is a card that people are playing. Yes. And it stinks, I'm guessing, from your, uh, your th- lead I in here. I think it stinks. It's got to be shitty. Is it Reckoner Bank Buster? No, but that's, that... That's got to be the most overrated card in the whole world. That card... <laughs> I actually am coming up on that card a little bit, but no, it's not that card. Um, the amount of times I've lost. So people are main decking it. It's crazy. You you want this in post-board games because post-board games slow down and become more about card draw. People main decking it is is crazy to me. Um, Reckoner Bank Reckoner Buster. Buster. All right. This is the card I want to hear your thoughts on, and I I don't know why I even try, but I... So it's the it's a green enchantment, teachings of the Kirin. Do you know what this card does? Uh yeah, I do because I've played against it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know why people are playing this card? My best guess is that there are no good two drops really that have that are other give them another option. I know it started with Chris Patello's like Rite of Harmony green white enchantment stack, mm-hmm. and it gives you. It gives you three triggers on your right of harmony. In in a sense, it's an enchantment. It makes a creature and then transforms into a creature. Mm-hmm. So it's like... And I think it makes a random counter in the middle. Um, so I, it's it seems reasonable if your deck is entirely built around right of harmony. Then my hypothesis is that Chris Patello built this uh, Bant Storm the Festival deck that everyone is playing... Mm-hmm. And played it because he was playing it in his Rite of Harmony deck. And people just copied that. I I find it hard to believe there's not something better for the Storm the Festival deck than this. Um, I guess it's kind of good against graveyards sometimes um, if you get it to flip all the way and then attack with it. Um, for the most part, this feels like worse than something like Gallagreeders or... I, you know... You know I'm a fan of the Courier's Briefcase. I would probably just play that. I would but, I would uh, play Gallagreeders myself, but over Briefcase? Come on. I would play Gallagreeders. In the in the green white deck where you're making a bunch of tokens, I'd play Gallagreeders for sure. You make so many treasures off of that instead. If you play Gallagreeders, it's going to get cut down. So, but Courier's Briefcase is basically innkeeper. You realize that, right? 1/1 one, one with a treasure. And then it even draws you three cards later. Yeah, but Gallagreeders <laughs> makes if a bunch of treasures treasure. with wedding announcement. <laughs> <laughs> and you gain life when you need it um, against uh, Shieldred. The treasures are tapped, though, man. They're tapped. Yeah. You only have one treasure with the briefcase. <laughs> you have to pay two more mana. <laughs> but it's untapped. I don't want to pay mana for a treasure. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, you can play both of them in the same deck because that makes a creature and then Gallagher's makes another treasure. There you go. There's the combo. Uh, for sure, that's what you'd rather play. This just seems like um, Graveyard Trespasser at home is what it sounds like to me. Like, oh, I could exile some of your cards. Yeah, it seems like terrible Graveyard Trespasser. Yeah. Um, and since people are playing Denik, it doesn't even get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're playing Denik. I <laughs> thought it was a sideboard card yeah. for the longest time because I'd only happened to run into it in, like, game twos. And I was like, why are they bringing in Graveyard Hate against me? Like, I don't care about the Graveyard at all. This is super weird. And that's when I realized this is, like, a main deck yeah. card. Teachings of Kirin are, like, it's the top of my list of cards I put in my deck so I can sideboard them out. That's what it is. Um, this is the... <laughs> yeah. It was in the list. I don't know what else to put right now. I'm very excited to side it out for game two because uh, it, this is terrible. I, I The funny thing is, I think the list I've seen has, like, one Gallagraders. So they know Gallagraders yeah. exist. That's the list. They just don't. That's the, they just don't that's the list I saw, and I was like, well, they must know better than me. And then I played it. I was like, I'd much <laughs> rather have four Gallagraders than one of these if I even played this at all. And I'm pretty sure that's Chris Patello's list, and he definitely knows better than he me. He does. So. <laughs> Chris Patello knows a lot better than me. I don't know me. the reason. I don't know the reason either. Anyway, um, I don't need to shit on Chris Patello because he's way smarter than me and is way better at magic than I am. Um, so <laughs> I could easily be wrong, uh, but I just want to put it out there. Hey, Chris, if you're listening right now, please come on the podcast and tell us why Teachings of the Curran is worth playing. <laughs> He's going to tell us for like an hour and a half about why the card I is I would awesome. love that, honestly. They're like, huh. That would be great. <laughs> if he, if Chris Patella came on the podcast yeah. and just started talking, we got to drink the whole time. Mm, amazing. If he could drink, <laughs> I, I don't know if Chris Patella drinks, but if he does and he drinks a lot and then tells us why that card's good, that sounds like an amazing Saturday afternoon. Like, ugh. With that, Jeff, I think that my beer is empty and we should go on a beer break. Same. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by either buying me a beer or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis, you could do that by joining the Arena Regulars Discord channel. The link is in the show notes. Ooh, I got something big and plump for you this evening, Jeff. Oh, God. As it says, it's (laughs) plump and unfiltered. (laughs) Hmm. Um, Though, as I'm pouring it, it looks fairly filtered to me. Um, Anyway, this is from Flying Monkeys. It is their juicy ass. Uh, IPA. <laughs> Juicy ass IPA. Uh, it's an American IPA. Uh, there's a lot of funny, juicy, plump, sticky, weird, soft words on this thing all over the place. If you know yeah. uh, what uh, Flying Monkeys cans look like, they have a bunch of like just tons of art everywhere. Um, but this is one of their mainstays. So we're, we're picking two beers that uh, you see a lot, but, you know, you never think to sit down and actually drink and appreciate and think about them. So that's what we're doing tonight. So this is Juicy Ass. 
Yeah, this one, I remember when it came out and was sort of everywhere. And just like with the Space Invader, it's just like no matter what bar I go to, sometimes friends recommend a bar and you're like, yeah, they're not going to have a great craft beer selection. They still is a pretty good chance they have this. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Space Invader. So, yeah, this was always like, like exactly like you said, you know, it's 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 something I've had before, but then I never tend to think to get it because I know it's going to be there's always going to be another opportunity to have it. Exactly. Um, and this one, it's 6.5%. And um, specifically with juicy, the word juicy, not so much ass. But um, my brother-in-law, <laughs> when he, he doesn't really like IPAs very much, he's much more like a lager pilsner kind of guy. Um, but if he's going to drink an IPA, he's always going to pick something that has the word juicy on it somewhere. Juicy... Uh, stuff or hazy tends to be the IPAs he likes. So, um, this one in particular, he would probably look at it and be like, Oh, it says juicy. So maybe I'd like it. I'll probably try this one, which is probably part of their marketing scheme in the juicy ass. With that being said, it kind of feels like a, uh, was it an unhinged joke back when unhinged happened years and years ago, there's a bunch of ass cards. Um, so I'm, I don't know. Wait, let me look it up on Scryfall. Is Juicy Ass a card? Maybe the next one will be unfiltered. <laughs> hey, maybe. And if Juicy Ass <laughs> isn't a card, then it should definitely be an, an unfiltered. Oh, it's not. Juicy Ass is not a magic card. I know Fat Ass is a card. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was thinking Juicy Ass might be. But uh, anyway, uh, there you go, uh, Mark Rosewater. When we make the next... Unset. I know Unfinity just came out, but we want some more ass jokes. Um, back yeah. <laughs> back when, uh, whenever Unhinged came out, I don't remember. 2002. And you could come on the show, drink some juicy ass, talk about the card juicy ass. Um, we do have Chris Patello booked first, but after him, you know, it's yeah. all you. And uh, Mark, if you want to do this while you're driving to work, that is perfectly fine. I know that you usually record podcasts on your way to work, so... Um, you can drink juicy ass. <laughs> I, I don't know if we should be condoning drinking and driving. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take a taxi, Mark. But it can still be technically your drive to work. Mark, if you want to be on the podcast and drink juicy ass and talk about the car juicy ass that you made just for us, we will send you a limo to drive you to work, and then you'll have a, your own driver, and you can drink juicy ass in the back. How about that? There we go. It'll become fully stocked. It'll just be a limo packed to the room with juicy ass in the backseat. <laughs> Jeff, let's let's talk about some spoilers for uh, Brothers War since we kind of glazed yeah, over them. Yeah, that leads them. us right into our right into our main topic of new cards. Yeah, um, that are not juicy ass. Other other new cards. No, I I'm waiting for like whenever it happens, we will we'll talk about the juiciest ass on the Brothers War cards. But uh, so far, I don't see any. Um, hopefully, there will be some. At some point. But yeah, I thought it would be interesting to at least... We have enough information to start talking about the Brothers War. Um, We talked a very small amount last week. I hadn't read the cards yet. I have read more of them since then. Um, But we we don't have like a ton, but we have some, some basic, really cool stuff that has happened and then some actual honest to goodness previews of new cards uh, and some old cards. So, um, yeah, we figured we have enough that it's worth, uh, 
getting some opening thoughts on this. I thought maybe we'd start with the, the headliners because they're the most exciting and the most fun. Uh, and the first one I want to talk about is the first one that I saw, but also the colors that I would probably want to be playing. So I'm, I'm sure you know which one. Mishra. Yeah. Nice. Uh, no, obviously I'm talking about Urza, Lord Protector. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is one white blue for a 2-4 legendary creature human artificer at Mythic. It says artifact, instant, and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. And then you can pay seven generic mana. It says, if you both own and control Urza, Lord Protector, and an artifact named the Mightstone and Meek, or sorry, Mightstone and Weakstone, exile them and meld them into Urza Planeswalker, only activate as a sorcery. Of course, that means that we have to talk about the Mightstone and the Weakstone, which is an artifact that costs five mana, and it's a legendary artifact, Power Stone, and it says when it enters the battlefield... Choose one. You can draw two cards. Target creature gets minus five, minus five until a turn. You can always tap it to add two mana. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. Oh, that's so many reading. So many readings right now. Um, You're not even halfway. I know. Uh, so all these cards are like meld cards. So obviously Urza is going to meld with the Might Stone and the Weak Stone. I definitely thought it was the Meek Stone going into this, so that was uh, new information for me. Um, but uh, off the bat, you know, <laughs> a three mana two four that makes things cheaper. Sure, yeah, I, okay, I could play that. And then a five mana slash it could be four mana artifact that uh, taps for two mana and draws two cards. Uh, I'm not super excited, or kills something. I guess I'm not super excited about it, but it, it's all right. Um, anyway, if you spend the seven mana, you get to meld them into a card that is too small for me to read at the moment. So I'm trying to get it bigger. Um, so here you go. So you can meld them into a card that is Urza Planeswalker. Uh, it's a seven loyalty Planeswalker. It says once during each of your turns, you may activate an additional loyalty ability of Urza Planeswalker. Um, and it says you may activate the same ability twice. All right. So first off, that sounds very good <laughs> as far as planeswalkers go. <laughs> that's usually the that's a really powerful um, static ability for a yeah. planeswalker to have. Hey, you can just do it again. Wow. Um, so it says plus this planeswalker counts as two. <laughs> yes. So it says plus two artifact, instant, and sorcery spells. You cast costs two less to cast. You gain two life. You can plus one, draw two cards, then discard a card. You can zero to create two one one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens. You can minus three to exile target non land permanent. And then, of course, the ultimate is minus 10. Artifacts and planeswalkers you control gain indestructible into, until end of turn. Destroy all non-land permanents. It starts at seven. This thing? Yeah. This this card is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't quite see. Hold on. So I think the exile target non-land permanents are minus three, you said. Yeah. I can't quite see 
It looked like a minus one to me at first. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Excel. I would just do that over and over again. Um, Minus three makes sense, but you could still flip this and do two things right away and still have this around. Like, that's crazy. Obviously, they were smart enough to not get you to ultimate ability with the plus right Mm -hmm. away, so you can't, like, plus ultimate uh, as soon as you do it. Um, Yeah, obviously, if you get this thing, it's insanely powerful. Also, the first time I read it, because, again, the text is so small, I didn't see the this turn in the plus two. As I was looking for an until end of turn or something at the start or beginning of the sentence, and I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. The this turn is like in the middle, and I was like, "Does this is this like an emblem that makes everything cost too less?" Because that's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, okay. So obviously, the planeswalker is outrageous. It's just about how likely you are to actually get there. Yeah. I think the answer is not not likely in not any reasonable even, game. So then. Yeah. It, so then it becomes more about the individual cards and just what we think about them. They have to be very careful with Urza, Lord Protector, because the way I see this being played, if it gets played, is in like an egg style thing where you have a bunch of one mana artifacts that are just free because of this. Mm-hmm. What, for whatever reason, you're picking up value from playing those artifacts. Maybe they can trip mm-hmm. and then you have some storm type thing so when they print a card like this or put it in the file it's them acknowledging that very obvious that that's where like the competitive community's mind is going to go first so you're not allowed you're basically not allowed to print like one drop cantripping artifacts mm-hmm. uh, which i think they shouldn't be printing anyways so the i'm choosing to be optimistic that the fact that this card is here means they're not printing garbage like that and um that's great course there's given the track record there's a distinct possibility there's like three of them and then the whole that's just the best deck ever and it's just urza plus all of these stupid one mana cantripping artifacts that pick up incidental value along the way but overall i think it's a it's a risky card for them to print because making artifacts cheaper like making instance and sorcery cheaper has proven to be good enough that it's generally played um, and then artifacts has the potential to kind of go crazy, especially in this in when there's a few sets in a row that will contain a lot of artifacts. Now they have to always be thinking about it. But I think what I like most about this is just the the dream they're selling of the three turn three Urza, turn four Mightstone, Weakstone, turn five Flip. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how all the numbers really line up there. If if you chain them together and nothing gets disrupted, that's the dream, right? Like Urza's on turn three, Mightstone and Weakstone now cost one less, you play it on turn four, and then you can use that two mana for Urza's ability on the next turn. You can't use it to cast non-artifact spells, but you can use it to activate abilities. So then when you get your fifth mana on turn five, you have the seven you need to transform. So I really like that design. Obviously... You, maybe you, your opponent has to be doing nothing for this act to actually work, like not disrupting it at all. But I just love that they made that those numbers all line up in such a nice way. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really nice about Urza is that it does survive cut down. So at this moment in this world where we're looking at every three drop and two dropping, like does it die to cut down? 
this one doesn't. So uh, that's nice, at least. They will have to, to spend more than one mana at the moment to kill it. Um, but it, I, I agree. I like that, that lineup of the, the Might Stone, the, the Weak Stone, going straight after Urza and then flipping immediately. Um, and I've been playing that like mono blue, uh, what is it, the, the Hottie Jin deck. And so even just having your instants and sorceries cost one less is huge. And being able to play Negate and Essence Scatter for just a single blue mana is strong enough. So I could see um, some sort of... Uh, place where you're not even abusing artifacts if hopefully like you were saying they don't print cards like that um just being able to play a lot of your other instants and sorceries for one single mana um could be extremely useful uh we will have to see what other artifacts are being made um but i still hold on that they aren't going to make something busted it's gonna happen this set will not be busted it's gonna be fine i don't know this card worries me on that front, man. I agree that... So I think I said when this card gets played, it's for that busted reason. No, mm-hmm. but what I meant is like when this card is really busted is when that yes. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think this card is... This card could range from like sees no play to totally busted. And it just depends on the environment around it. But I think this is a really good card. Um, making all of your sort of non-creature spells, essentially. Uh, obviously not enchantment as well, but okay, artifact instant sorcery cost less is a very strong ability. Mm-hmm. And these cards tend to, when they're blue, which they always are, I guess, tend to have the play pattern of you don't drop it, make it on turn three, you drop it on turn four and hold up a negate kind exactly. of thing. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I think the most likely outcome here is that Urza is just pretty good... And ends up in if if he ends up crack, like cracking the line to make play, okay, then he's in the deck. And then the question is, do you play like a one or two might stone and weak stones, just to really like just as a powerhouse play that will happen sometimes that you get the planes this Urza planeswalker that changes the game, because I think the might stone and weak stone is a totally reasonable card when you have Urza. Mm-hmm. Because it's four is so much more reasonable for this effect than five. And the threat of activation really makes your opponent do something. But the card is so uh, underwhelming when you yeah. don't have hers. So I mean, it's going to be one of those things like, how many Mightstone, Weakstone do I play? Um, even in my four Urza deck. Exactly. Right now, we are already playing a draft with uh, Meteorite which I don't like as a card, which is a five-mana rock that deals two damage. So this is a five-mana rock that taps for two, only for artifacts. Or, sorry, non-artifacts. And um, it, But it does kill something. So, like, minus five, minus five is no joke. Like, you can kill Shieldred. You can kill a lot of stuff, just about everything you want to kill. Um, and drawing two cards if you need to is super helpful. So... Um, Right, and like one of the abilities is good against creature decks, and one's good against control. Like one is still reasonable against control. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing's never going to resolve against control, probably unless they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like maybe this card is just okay. It's just like five mana, legendary. It's a lot. It's a. It is a lot. I I just meant like, I, five mana, rocks. I, I almost immediately like, nope, no, this is horrible. I'm never going to play this card, yeah. ever. <laughs> and so this one is selling me a little bit. Um, but overall, 
I'm not super excited for this, and uh, I'm going to have to let people show me how good it is. But right now, uh, the, it, it seems busted, but it seems like a dream that's never going to come true. I'm not, uh, I'm not there. I'm, I'm off it. I'm pretty off it, even though it's white blue. Yeah, I'll probably be looking to play an Urza deck, and then I'll throw one of these in. Mm-hmm. And then when you only have one, you never draw more than one, obviously. So the legendary thing doesn't happen. And like, there are just going to be games like th- there will be games that you just win because you draw these two cards. But the question is, were there was that a game that Urza wouldn't have won on its own? That's true. Like the Urza didn't die. Right. So it's like, OK, the Urza is making everything cheaper. Would you have just won the game? anyways in a situation where the opponent could not kill the urza um and that's that's the question that really needs to be answered for mightstone and weakstone to see play mm-hmm. uh that's true um what is helpful is that if you do well, i guess never mind this isn't super helpful because if you do happen to flip uh, urza into urza planeswalker you can play your other urzas and your other mightstone weakstones just because <laughs> Uh, but you're. I don't think that's nothing. I don't think that's nothing. It is helpful, <laughs> but you will. Pr- you're probably winning the game already. So like, your extra copies. Yeah. Again, like, what are the games where the extra Urza, you know, was necessary to win? I guess game? if you plus two plus two, your Mindstone Weakstone costs one, and you draw two cards off of it. That's pretty good, and you gain two life. Mm, okay. I or kill something. I wouldn't hate that, but. <laughs> but again, like that's a, it's, so doesn't matter many, what's in your hand if you flip Urza Planeswalker. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, but I just don't see that being super reasonable. Um, let's move on to uh, his brother of the Brothers War, uh, Mishra. Jeff, do you want to read Mishra and all the pieces of Mishra for for us? Yeah, love to. Um, okay, so let's start with Mishra, claimed by Gix. Two black red for a three five legendary creature Phyrexian human artificer. Whenever you attack, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of attacking creatures. If Mishra came by claimed by Gix and a creature named Phyrexian Dragon Engine are attacking, you both own and control them, exile them, then meld them into Mishra lost to Phyrexia. It enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. So then you might wonder, what is Phyrexian Dragon Engine? It's a three-mana, 2-2 artifact creature, Phyrexian Dragon, with double strike. When it enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand if you do draw three cards. And it has unearth three red red. And they meld into Mishra Lost of Phyrexia, which is a 9-9 legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Artificer. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, choose three. (laughs) Target opponent discards two cards. Mishra deals three to any target. Destroy target artifact or planeswalker. Creatures you control gain menace and trample until end of turn. Creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one until end of turn and create two tapped power stone tokens. Mm -hmm. (sighs) A lot to unpack there, but you get a giant 9-9 creature that attacks and does three things. Um, Unlike the years of planeswalker, I don't think you could choose the same thing multiple times, but um, I'm not. You can't. I'm not even 100 no, no. sure. No, you, you, uh, you can't. Yeah. You can't okay. choose um, <clears throat> the same thing multiple times, but um, 
Oh my god, how much more exciting is this? Especially because black and red are good right now, um, in standard. Like, look at this. Look at this. Especially because one of your pieces can be in the graveyard. You can dump the. It could die. You know, turn three, Friday Extreme Dragon yeah. Engine. It's a two-two double strike. It gets killed because duh. It goes to the graveyard. You can unearth it. Then turn after you play Mishra. It, it's so. It's. So Awesome. This card's so cool. Fuck. Why is the white blue one not as cool to me? Yeah. Maybe I should be. Plus, I was going to say, yeah, just the pure badassery is. It's so cool. Off the charts here, relative. It's so cool. Um, All right. So, one thing that I just realized while reading that card that I did want to mention is I really like the if you both own and control. I Mm -hmm. don't know if that was the same templating from the previous meld. I don't have have the memory sufficient. Or the. Frankly, I'm just not going to look that up right now, but mm-hmm. um, it makes sense for them to say that so you can't, like, act of treason something and meld it on your side. And, like, they just don't want to deal with that yeah. kind of shenanigans. So, um, yeah, you have to both own and control both things. Um, yeah, this one to me seems like the opposite in the sense that the Phyrexian Dragon Engine is the card you would probably just play in a lot of decks anyways. And then the question is, how many Mishras do you play to get this, like, bonkers thing mm-hmm. that happens? Because the Mishra is a 3-5 without haste, and that has to attack to do anything. 3-5 for 4, that then requires you to do something next turn for it to be good. That's not very good. I, again, the numbers are really nice where it's like three mana for the dragon engine, four mana for Mishra. And as you said, the dragon engine is probably dead. So the five mana on the unearth is what triggers it the next turn. Um, but it's, yeah, again, it's sort of the opposite where the Mishra itself is not a very good card. The Phyrexian dragon engine seems good enough to me. Like this seems, this is reminiscent to me a little bit of, um, Jeez, what's that card that but just the fact that when this comes into play you get to the discard ox. your hand and draw three the ox ox of agonis ox of agonis thank you mm-hmm. yes um and that it and it comes back from the graveyard like it has a lot of ox of agonis going on um but it's definitely more aggressively slanted than mm-hmm. the ox was so um yeah that this is super, also super interesting design where, again, I could see this dragon engine range. I think the top, the high end on it is less than Urza because in decks where Urza's good, it's just, like, the stu- it's stupid busted. This is always just, like, really solid, and there's enough graveyard hate going around these days that it's hard for this to get out of hand. But I could see this being, like, people don't play this to... It's a, f- a significant part of the metagame. yeah. What I really like about, well, one thing I wanted to say is that Mishra, when it comes down, it actually, so it says whenever you attack, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life. So it's not when Mishra attacks, right? It's whenever you attack. So if you have other creatures, you still get that trigger when it comes down. Not huge, but helpful. That's true. But Yeah, it still does something mm-hmm. sometimes on the turn it, it comes down. But... Um, I, yeah, I really I really like the way that they built all of these pieces to to kind of counteract each other because 
if you happen to get the Mishra thing going and you get Mishra lost to Phyrexia, the melded creature, um, one of the modes is destroy target artifact or planeswalker. So you could immediately just destroy Urza planeswalker if that happened to happen. Like, that's one of the things you can do. Also, Urza planeswalker can exile target non-land permanent, which is that. But also, the Phyrexian dragon engine, when it attacks Urza, it has double strike and they will trade because of just how it works out. But Mishra and Urza will bounce off of each other. I just, I, but also if the Meek Stone, uh, Might Stone and Weak Stone come down, they can kill Mishra. I like all those numbers. They, kill Mishra, yeah. All of them make, they, they all work out. I, I really like seeing all of that interplay between the both of them. Um, I don't think that's going to be something that matters in standard, but I like the way that they have orchestrated that whole kind of dance is really fun. Um, and just as you're looking at the cards. Yeah, totally agree. Um, that's super awesome. Even if, like you say, probably is never actually going to come mm -mm. Uh, in a like real game. It's just cool to think about that. And like that they thought clearly they thought about it because it, it weaves together too well for it to all just be like coincidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's cool. And that adds something to the cards for me that like that that's how they all interact against each other. Yeah, exactly. And being able to attack with your Mishra lost to Phyrexia, which is, I'm sorry, exactly what I want to do. <laughs> you, you get to, so when it melds, it enters the battlefield. Is that right? Yeah. Exile them and then meld them. They come back. So you meld them together, you land you get to mind rot your opponent, deal three damage or something. But a big one I think is getting lost is like your creatures get menace and trample because you're already in combat. And feasibly, you probably have mm -hmm. a lot of creatures if you're already playing Mishra, so which likes having lots of creatures. So being able to give them menace and trample, that's like, all right, your opponent's dead. Or all their creatures get minus, mi minus one, minus one. All their tokens are dead which now they're going to play a lot of tokens because Meat Hook Massacre is gone. So now your wedding announcements don't matter if they haven't flipped yet or they all become one ones. I don't know. This seems like this is I'm so excited for this card. This seems so cool. Um, I think you're right with. I think the weirdest thing about a, this card is that it takes two attackers out of combat or this is tapped and attacking, right? Yeah. So it takes two attackers out of combat and produces one that. I guess if you give, you can I was give a trample, say, then it can be chump chump blocked. But yeah, if you're giving it trample never and mind, menace, it be chump blocked. Okay, you yeah. can give it menace and trample, yeah. and kill. Uh, you know, deal three damage to something. It, I don't know. The only one that I'm like, yeah, no, this thing's probably game over. It's so it cool. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like. Maybe they're playing. I don't. And I, I love that Meld lets them have, like Meld lets them have this creature, mm -hmm. without it just being a reanimator thing. Like, um, sure, you put this creature in the set. I'm just gonna reanimate it now because it's Meld. You can't. You can't. You have like, to put the two pieces, or at least yeah. the reanimator is like a two part play now. Mm -hmm. um, but they can't just put Mishra Lost to Phyrexia as a card with twelve mana or whatever as its casting cost because people will just try to cheat that and that's what that means whereas this is going to force you to play to force you to do it honestly like there's no real way to cheat this you have to do it this way <laughs> exactly it's this card is sweet 
I, 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 the other meld cards that have happened that like the Bruna one and the, the, whatever the other ones for the other set were, I can't remember. Um, always seems like, Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, uh, this Urza one's like, Oh, that's cool. It's a planeswalker. But this one is the one that Mishra is the one that I'm like, this is cool. This is I I'm very it got me pumped before I was like oh okay meld yeah okay but this I don't know I'm I'm still it's just like fast forward and it's just people discarding Phyrexian Dragon Edge into their Lilianas they don't even play their Mishras they unearth them later to draw three cards like that's the whole thing yeah <laughs> that's true but but it's so cool <laughs> yeah. No, but this is what preview season's all about. Exactly. Hyped and, and psyched for stuff like this. And and this people will try to make like the payoffs here are fun enough that people will try to make this work. You you're probably gonna be playing against these cards, even if it's maybe not they're not the most competitive. Mm-hmm. Because somebody's gonna love them. Yeah. Because how could you not love them? Yeah. Um, so awesome. Um so as far as our other previews go, there are just a few. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on them. Uh, Jeff, there's only four, really, of the real cards. Is there one you want to talk about in particular? Um, yeah, I think the, the one that's most interesting to me is the land. Okay. So um, here we have Mishra's Foundry. It's a land that taps for colorless. You can tap two to make it a 2-2 assembly worker artifact creature until end of turn. And you can pay one and tap it. Target attacking assembly worker gets plus two plus two till end of turn. So this is a callback to um, really old school uh, land. Can't remember the name of it now. Misha's Workshop mm-hmm. is the other one. But um, basically just getting uh, creature land back in standard, I think, is going to have a big impact because creature lands were everywhere not, you know, <laughs> not two months ago. And now now there are none. Um, and I think a lot of decks are kind of missing that, especially in some, like, if you want to go play more of a controlling deck, it's just so much easier when you have access to reasonable creature lands and these things, um, like this is a really cheap one two mm-hmm. two to make a two, two, and then they pump each other up. So you don't have to commit all of them into two twos. Um, definitely an interesting design here it's it's a weaker version of you know the the classical effect but of course it's that's the way it's gonna go yeah so the other card is called mishra's factory um which is basically the same thing but yes thank you yeah it it costs i looked it up so i it's not just off the top of my head but um (laughs) so it costs one to activate to make a two two and then you only have to tap it to give an assembly worker plus one plus one so this is fixed because that one was pretty busted because um, that's really just... And I think if I remember correctly, it didn't have to be attacking. So you could block with it and tap it to pump itself. Yes, that's true. Or um, So, uh, you know, you don't have a blocking 3-3. Three, three. You, you have to be attacking with this, uh, which I like. You know, it, it goes in the flavor of um, the rest of the Mishra stuff. I think it's still pretty good. Like the fixed version still looks pretty good to me. It looks good it's just hard because like the colorless land that i'm referring that i'm thinking of that's a creature land was uh, um faceless haven and that card was just feels so much better than this one 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to have multiples to make it a real threat. That one had vigilance, you know. I I don't know how much of an impact this card's actually going to have, um, but I, I will be excited to have them, and I'm going to pick them up if I see them in draft. But besides that, uh, I'm not... Uh, I I don't really know. It's, a, it's another one of those show me why it's good uh, kind of cards. Now, which I'm pretty sure Faceless Haven was one of those cards. So... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, before we move on... I think you might find out. Yeah. Before we move on to um, uh, the other portion of, of this kind of spoiler thing, I did want to ask you a question. So we have seen uh, the Power Stones as far as the Might Stone and the Weak Stone, as well as Mishra lost to Phyrexia creates two Power Stones. Um, we have also had a card recently come out called Karn Living Legacy that cared about Power Stones. Uh, my question to you is, do you think that Karn Living Legacy will get better with this set because of the Power Stone theme? Um, is this going to be a card or a Planeswalker we will be playing uh, that we will actually care about in the future? Yeah, so the answer to the question one is yes, obviously. It'll get better. Um, the second part is where I'm not sure. Like, I still think it's relatively weak mm-hmm. planeswalker um even in a all i care about is artifacts deck now i understand the idea behind the second ability oh i have all this artifact man i just tap it and i get to look at all these cards and i get to take one um it's like yeah but that's not how artifact decks want to play generally so that's an effect you would use in the late game mm-hmm. after sitting there generating all these power stone tokens. It just seems too slow to me. And artifact decks, they don't tend to be slow. Like, I don't know, just traditionally artifact decks are fast. That's the sort of advantage. And the reason is they want to take advantage of having better mana than the opponents, essentially, where it doesn't matter what color of mana they have, the, it just matters the number of mana they have. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to either be a ramp deck that tries to quickly go over the top of you or, you know, like a, an affinity-style thing where they're, they're trying to go under you. But they tend to be very, very fast decks, like Tron and, and all these types of things, because their cards are ostensibly less powerful because they're colorless, the advantage is I can get them all out faster because it doesn't matter if I drew Mountain Mountain Swamp or all, all red and no black. You know, that doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. So um, Karn seems like just a bit of an identity crisis where it's a very slow card for a deck whose natural advantage pushes them towards being faster. Yeah. All right. I think that makes sense. I, I, I was hoping that... Um, Karin's Power Stone thing would be more of a, a big deal. I'm going to see throughout the uh, the kind of previews for uh, Brothers War to see if that continues to be the case. But I, I think I'm probably leaning towards your side of, hey, the Power Stones aren't the same as the ones from Dominaria when we went back to it, where they care about the number of Power Stones you have. These ones don't. They, um, mm-hmm. they just are what they are. So uh, not exactly the same. <sighs> It's fine, whatever. Um, no, it's good. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about today is um, with Brothers War, we will be going back and having some more cards. Uh, basically, in each set, 
uh, or each booster pack, sorry, we will be getting a uh, retro-themed artifact that is from throughout Magic's history. Um, This is similar to the, uh, what is it, Mystical Archives from Strixhaven, where they had a bunch of spells. Well, now it's going to be all artifacts. Um, This will impact, obviously, the draft format. However... In Arena, it will also impact our historic format because it just gets whatever comes out and whatever happens. Um, Last time we had a bunch of artifacts that were busted, but ended up being, or sorry, not artifacts, uh, instants and sorceries that were busted that were immediately banned from historic. So um, basically, you know, we, we talked a little bit about injecting cards directly into historic and that format altogether earlier. Uh, but with these cards, just what do we think? Are we are we happy about this? Is this something we want on Arena? Is it uh, something that just kind of is there? And, and do we want to even pick them in the draft if we're not going to be able to use them in Explorer and Standard? How, what, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, generally depends on what this all looks like. I enjoyed the effect that uh, Mystical Archives had on the Strixhaven draft format. I thought that was kind of cool um, without being like, this is all that matters in the draft, Mm -hmm. um, which is definitely the risk you run with something like this. And I think artifacts are going to be even more towards the like, this probably doesn't matter that much in draft because a lot of artifact cards are are niche and specific. Um, but then on the other hand, you can always take it because no matter what colors you end up in draft, you could probably play this artifact. So I think it'll it'll behave a bit differently, but ultimately have kind of the same effect where it just adds some like cool, it adds variance in a unique and cool way, I think. Um, mostly I just love that they have the old artifact frames. Mm-hmm. That is huge for me mono brown um seems super cool and um not an arena thing Uh, we might see remnants of this on arena with like um card styles and stuff but uh, i believe all the commander decks from this uh set will be old border as well which is huge um (laughs) what if what if i can win you know Hey, I want to build a. I want to buy a precon. All the cards are old border. Uh, what? I'm sorry, what? Uh, so that's exciting, because um, you also get those that's old sick. border lands. That's what you want. Um, so uh, that's pretty sweet. Uh, but I'm with you. Like, we'll see how what what happens with the draft format. Like, there's Howling Mine and Ivory Tower, Worm Coil Engine, like. It seems like a pretty sweet draft format. Early pick for the card you want to pack one, pick one, by the way. It's got to be Worm Coil Engine. It's hard to imagine there's going to be a card that you're more interested in seeing. Like pack one, pick one than Worm Coil Engine. That's, it goes in every deck. It's awesome. And just, there's, you know, it it does die to Doomblade, but it does come back as whatever you want. So I I think it's going to be really great for the, the draft format. Um, a lot of fun because, you know, some of those packs in, in Strixhaven where you got a bunch of rares was so fun trying to figure out where to go. Uh, we had a ton of fun playing with uh, uh, Stone Rain, you know, all these old cards that like they just they're, 
<laughs> they really don't print anymore, you know. Um, so I think it's just a great... It's fun to have extra variants in some of your packs uh, for drafting and being able to be like, oh, well, you know, if I want to play with this card, I have to do it right now because if I can't play it in Standard or Explorer. So I, I think it's, it's a great idea. I'm excited for the rest of the cycle of, you know, they did spells. Now they're doing artifacts. They'll probably do instants or sorry, uh, enchantments and creatures at some point. So, um, I don't know. In lands? I don't know. That, that's exciting. <laughs> there are, I'm looking forward to the creatures one. That'll be cool. Yeah, a, extra creature in every pack. I don't know what they would do, but um, maybe they'll add Bob. That'd be cool. Um, I'd, I'd take that. I'd probably take a Bob. Then they'd have to do all of the, the ones that are uh, like the... Oh. Uh, player likeness right? that would be cool <laughs> meddling mage snapcaster that would be pretty sweet a lot of them are really uh cheap creatures too anyway jeff we're gonna have a lot to talk about brothers war whenever it starts coming out um but for the time being we're still sitting in dominaria united and i'm really happy everything's going really well draft format is awesome i'm happy with the new standard format and we'll see how everything goes with that yeah, before all the busted artifacts come into play, <laughs> you'll be like, damn, I wish standard, I could play my black mid-range deck at standard, but no, I just have to play artifact. Mono decks. brown. Um, that could all could be mono brown. Um, anyway, Jeff, let's go to last call. Uh, let's, let's talk about these beers and, and get, get, get ourselves to bed. Maybe is <laughs> the good way to, to say that. Um, <laughs> As always, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. And this has nothing to do with what tier you are in currently, because everyone should probably be paying, playing um, constructed events anyway, so it doesn't really matter what uh, tier you're in on Arena. Uh, with that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. You have to pour them out. They're, you can't even drink them because they're just... <laughs> Silver beers are so they're macro brews or beers that don't have anything going on. Yeah, gold beers are fine. You uh, you'll you'll drink them. You 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 see them. You you have them every once in a while. Platinum beers are one step up from that. They're solid, and you would drink them again. And diamond beers are exceptional. You really like these. Uh, you bring them uh, to parties. You you show them to your friends. You're like, ah, oh, you know, I I buy this when I can. I I like having this in my house. And then mythic. These are the best of the best. You will recommend these to anyone who will listen. Maybe you'll go out of your way to get these ones. Um, yeah, these are just top tier. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff. With that being said, do you have a beer for this evening that has one? Do you know which one you would like to pick? Yeah, I think so. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Space Invader. Yes. Whoa. We went for the swap seeds. We got a big old swippity swap. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeff, let's talk about Juicy S while I still have some in my glass. Um, please tell us why you picked Juicy S for this evening. Yeah, I actually thought, I, like, I've had both these before, right? But just never really back to back. I thought I was going to pick Space Invader. Um, I think Juicy Ass is fine, and uh, this more or less is in line with how I remembered it. Um, it's just kind of a, a totally reasonable example of these sort of juicier IPAs that uh, uh, your your brother-in-law likes. 
I don't have too much else to say. Like I, I don't think it's amazing. Yeah. But I think it's totally fine. I, I also think it is fine, but I don't think it is a good example of a juicy IPA, which is interesting. Okay. Usually I feel like it's juicy ones feel a little bit more, um, fresh or mouth wateringy. I don't know what the word is for that, but this one mm-hmm. is kind of what I remember it being as something I just, I'm not, I guess maybe, maybe the word juicy in my mind also f- slides into hazy and also slides into like actual juice ones where they don't taste as bitter. And this one still has a lot of bitter notes. Um, and just, would probably throw me off if I was expecting something different. Um, I still think it's a perfectly reasonable yeah. beer, but uh, it's it's definitely not one of my favorite IPAs, and and it's gonna stay there. It's 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 okay. Yeah. Um, honestly, I kind of think it's gold. It's gold. Like just the fine, but I won't drink it often. Yes, yeah. just the perfect descriptor for it. Yeah, um, it's definitely gold. I guess that be, that belies what I'm gonna rate the, 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 yeah. the space invader. But um, yeah, juicy ass is for sure gold, and uh, I've I I tend to avoid it <laughs> in that category where I'm like. <laughs> Like I've I've tasted it before, being like, oh, I like this one. I was like, oh, maybe I don't like this one. Then tonight was like, you know what? I do like flying monkeys, but I don't like juicy ass very much. I love the name, don't like the beer. Um, space <laughs> Space Invaders IPA. I didn't love this one when I first opened it, but liked it better than the juicy ass. It's still gold. It's just like a little <laughs> bit above it. Um, I don't, I think it's so funny because like these are everywhere and there's a reason we haven't ever brought these to the show because like we're not huge fans yeah. of them and you can't find them everywhere, but I just don't like it very much. I just don't think it's very good. Um, it also doesn't have any juicy qualities, but doesn't promise juicy qualities. So it's it's gold. Yeah, it, to me. it's cold. This one's maybe the descriptor hazy is better than juicy, mm-hmm. like you were talking about earlier, how those are often pinned together. And it's probably why neither of them actually call themselves East Coast IPAs. Yeah. Or at least juicy ass. I'm looking at it calls it American IPA. Um, it's like what, that, that's a lot of different possibilities but um yeah that it's gold as well and i thought i thought that coming in i was like let's we're you know we're gonna give them a shot though um and i assumed i would prefer space invader but that they were both gold coming out i'm like you know what i think having them back to back i might prefer the juicy ass but they're they're both gold so Mm -hmm. um it's not like a strong preference um yeah, but like I was sort of alluding to my th- the way I think about these beers is like because they're widespread, they will tend to be at bars that otherwise only have silver beers. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of my experience with these is I order these when the uh, alternative comp- like the other options are just your generic uh, whatever silver macro brews. 
and they'll tend to have an Amsterdam or a Mill Street or a, something like that on tap. And then I'm like, well, this is still probably more interesting than those. And that's that's sort of the position they fill in my uh, beer uh, um, vocabulary, I guess. Absolutely. I think that's a really great way of putting it is that uh, there are certain places that have flagship uh, beers from certain spots, and the flagship isn't always your favorite, but it can be a step up from any other silvers that are around. Um, So there you go. Uh, I did come into this thinking that I'd like Juicy Ass more than Space Invader because every time I look at Space Invader, I'm like, no. But I was wrong. Look at that. It, who knows it, that always happens with these where you're like I for sure think that this one's better and you taste them back to back you're like I was completely wrong this one's so much better I don't know why I yeah. the other one was better um, so yeah anyway uh, golds all around little sad one but uh, that's alright uh, going into closing time uh, this is when we end the show and if you have any suggestions for more gold beers or beers that are a bit better than that, you can always find us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You may also find us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. Uh, actually, I have been playing on that account on my phone recently, so you will see that. Um, nice. Yeah, I was playing some of those free fun events where you could play the different... Uh, it was like an event where you could be Timmy, Johnny, Spike, or uh, Vorthos, or whatever they, they named that. Gotcha. And that was, it was a lot of fun. And the Vorthos, because you could be a different person. So the Vorthos deck. The Vorthos deck sounds fun. It was very fun and very good because it was an omniscience oh. game. And so the Vorthos was all, any card that cared about Bolas. And if you play every card for free, you just, for opening hand, Bolas. All right, play Bolas, make you discard two, or exile two cards from your hand, and you just fuck them up real, real gotcha. fast. So um, a lot better. Timmy was just Dinosaur Tribal, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry that I can play my amazing Bolas <laughs> on turn one, and you have to play, like, uh, <laughs> a three-drop Well, you know, dinosaur. it's like the interns who are building this one, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun it, and it was just, it was great to see that most everyone was playing the Vorthos one cause they realized it was the best. Um, anyway, uh, the Vorthos one just sounded fun cause it's story based mm-hmm. and it's like this event doesn't matter. I'd probably pick that one to hear that it was like the strongest deck is surprising <laughs> because the spike one was like, yeah, these are spiky cards, but yeah, they all cost like the curve is at three, but like when you're playing omniscience, it doesn't matter. Right. right. So like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. This card would be a spike card, but when the mana curve doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Um, anyway, wait, if you want to tell me what your favorite, uh, uh, or what type of player you are, if you're a spike, a Johnny, a Timmy or a Vorthos, uh, you can find me at Zulberg. That's Z E U L B E R G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? I do have Twitter. Uh, it's at BluesBrewsMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. But the best place to find me is on our Discord. Once again, in the in the show notes is where you'll find the link for yep. that. Easiest place to find us. Uh, 
We also appreciate if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Spotify, and any place you can give us a review. Go on YouTube and find us there. Um, it just means a lot. Not only does it help our analytics, but it also helps our hearts feel better about, uh, you know, we put some time into this stuff. So it really, we really appreciate that. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that the hot new format for Worlds is going to be Alchemy New Capenna Draft. Good night. All right, that's fine.